0: welcome to the my inner tiger podcast i'm your host sydney DiCamella. i'm also a wife mother master life coach course creator and spiritual sherpa over the past few years i have overcome extreme anxiety depression addiction infertility and chronic illness and as a result i've made it my life's mission to teach other women like you that no matter what battle you're up against you have an inner tiger a power within to create and manifest whatever your heart desires. If you are tired of being a victim and ready to be boss of your life, you have come to the right place. Each episode, I'm gonna share tools, teachings, and techniques I have used and taught countless other women so that together we can create a life beyond our wildest dreams. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your inner tiger is just waiting to be unleashed. I'm so happy you've tuned in. Let's get started. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to the My Inner Tiger podcast. Today's episode is amazing. I am interviewing a special guest, England Miano, and without giving it all away, in this episode, we talk about England being a holistic general practitioner, all of the different things that she does and is certified and trained in. Um... We talk about her healing herself from cancer. We talk about why holistic approach in most cases is much better than a traditional Western medicine allopathic approach to healing. Um, We cover why mindset is so important in your healing journey. And we also at the end touch on her story about her son's vaccine injury and how all the doctors said... He was autistic, di- uh, diagnosed with autism, among other things, and how he would always need full-time care, and subsequently, how he is now very functioning, and you would barely even notice that he was autistic. So, it's just so many good, juicy stories, so many good, hot topics um, for today, especially, and I am so excited to share this with you, so enjoy. Enjoy. I am so excited about today's guest. Her name is England Miano, and I met England uh, earlier this year um, uh, on my normal search for different ways to heal my body. Of course, I came across her name in a moms group, like it's called the Crunchy Moms of Tampa Bay group that I'm in. Someone had referred her for something, I can't remember what it was, but um, they're like, you need to talk to this woman, she does everything. So I just had this strong intuitive hit that I needed to reach out to this woman. And I immediately did it right then and there. And she just happened to answer the phone directly when I called her. And um, and we ended up having talking for hours which and she told me she's like i never have this much time to talk you caught me at like the perfect time so i just thought it was such like destiny that we were having this conversation and since then she has helped me through so much already um she's got me um doing all kinds of new different things for my body which we'll get into a lot about that later but england is a general holistic practitioner and so what does that mean it's it covers a big broad spectrum of things and i'm going to let her go into that but she works with people of all ages and she practices and is certified in up to 30 different modalities she is a wealth of knowledge and so we could sit here and have a conversation together for hours and hours and hours just talking about the different things that she knows as far as healing your body and doing it naturally. Um, But I really specifically wanted to bring her on today because she healed her own body from breast cancer. And she's seen so many other people heal their body naturally as well. And I know she's helped a good jillion amount of people. So she's just an incredible human
1: being and I'm so honored to have her on the show. So England, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Sydney. I appreciate you. And likewise, as far as um, uh, your feelings um, as well. And I uh, just honored to be on and, and speak with you today.
0: Yay. All right. This is going to be a really good conversation. So, all right. Why don't you just start at the beginning and tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up becoming a holistic practitioner?
1: Sure. Um, so naturally very from a very early age, I was uh, very attracted to the health field I think just with my personal interests of always being into athletics and um, was a competitive gymnast for much of my life and just into all kinds of sports and really always found myself very uh, just organically uh, tied to wanting to know more about nutrition and um, almost really kind of the word that they refer to as biohacking today in a way I was, it was just always a challenge even as a young teenager um, for me to, you know, set personal goals, with myself, and, and um, from a physical standpoint, also uh, spiritually and and psychologically, and um, I do think because of the nature of the way that I was raised, and it being, you know, very embedded in my background as far as uh, growing your own food, gardening cooking, you know, whole food based meals on a regular basis, sitting out down and eating, you know, dinner together as a family, I think that really had a lot to play in to my, the natural, um, the natural, I guess, interest for me. However, I wasn't, uh, for for me at that time, because I wasn't uh, holistically trained and didn't have um, as being adopted, didn't have parents that had that interest at all. It just, you know, kind of came natural to me. Um, but I saw my only way of getting into the health field because of of not really having a, a holistically a formally holistically trained person in my life at the time. I ended up kind of landing in allopathic medicine pre-med in in early I started uh, college classes and when I was 16 and uh, so it was really on a pre-med track for uh, those those beginning years and and kind of it went from there you know a lot of different things along the way led me closer and closer to the holistic side of things but I, I What even within allopathic medicine, I was still very interested in a much more natural approach within allopathic medicine, being my primary interest, really aside from, you know, for a period of time, really being interested in the um, like emergency surgical procedures. Um, I was really leaning more towards the sports medicine, uh, biomechanics, kinesiology and chiropractic, orthopedic, you know, chiropractic side of things. And uh, so those are actually, you know, even though they're allopathic practices, those are things that are definitely much more incorporative of um, a natural frame of mind, at, at least uh, so that I've, I've got a pretty varied background and there has been, you know, definitely different life experiences, um, my own and also my son's vaccine injury that just led me closer and closer to a very purist approach. Um, But, but yeah, that's, um, that's a a lot of, a lot of small stories, you know, within that, that summary basically. Yeah. So you started off pre-med And um, started leaning
0: toward more holistic ways of healing and just becoming more fascinated with that. And ended up just going out on your own and getting certified in like a million different things. Um, We were talking about it just before hitting record about all the different things you're certified in. So I think you were starting to make a list. So, why don't you tell us just a general idea of? some of those things that you are trained and certified in so that the listeners have an idea.
1: Yeah, I, I really was. It, you you said it the right way. It was really almost like an obsession to it was like this. Once I figured out that there were there were actually um, formal trainings within the field of natural medicine, it just became almost like an obsession uh, to just learn about all of them. Um, but, you know, some of the things that I am specifically trained in is uh, nutrition from, of course, the conventional standards. I ended up with a nutrition degree and then integratively as well from uh, Institute for Integrative Nutrition and then really went completely to the other side of things, all the way over to a very uh, primal lifestyle approach through uh, diet, through prehistoric origins and and healing through an evolutionary perspective. So a very primal approach to diet as well. Taking the work of uh, anthropologists and um, basically changing my views to lean towards a very purist um, approach to. Um, to nutrition. And um, then I am s- uh, certified in cupping and moxibustion as well, detox protocols, um, specifically gaps elimination, um, the autoimmune protocol, um, Gerson therapy, uh, therapeutic ketosis, microbiotics. Uh, and then I also um, incorporate. Um, EFT tapping to address the um, spirit emotional issues of things, and I do Thai yoga and scar therapy, myofascia release, including several different types, Graston and trigger therapy, acupressure, guasha, um, manual manipulation and stretching. I'm also a reflexologist and I do incorporate into most of my appointments um, just some type of light therapy, sound therapy, Reiki also just by nature. Um, And then I do a lot of electromagnetic, a lot of different types of electromagnetic therapy and uh, I use the Beamer mat, but then also use an electromagnetic device And um, then, you know, some things that I really kind of incorporate and spot treat in is still incorporating things like body talk and biomagnetic pairing therapy, touch for health, Um, even things like Qigong practices and a lot of um, meditation and mindfulness awareness practices Uh, primal approaches like sun gazing and earthing. So um, I really, you know, with, with everything together, I, I, I tend to have a mosh posh of things to pull from and have always kind of been a mix and match and pull a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So, um, you know, my natural medicine program um, did specifically include indigenous uh, Thai traditional medicine Native American natural medicine Indian ayurvedic theory Indonesia uh, Indonesian U- unani medicine um, so there's a lot of you know homeopathy classes I'm not a homeopath but certainly you know had classes specific to um, uh, home- home- homeopathy and you um, and herbal, you know, herbal classes and kind of do, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of what I guess most people would re- refer to as, um, CE courses or just, um, you know, new classes whenever I get an interest. I'm now currently looking into really, uh, adding Yoni steaming, uh, to my practice just because of the kind of things that we're going through in current times. Uh, really has led me to the conclusion that we really need to pay specific attention to womb healing. Uh, So I do also um, for, for not really officially, but just for a lot of people, I have ended up kind of falling into the position of a doula and um, being able to utilize most of, most of my other modalities within that, uh, arena as well. So I don't really put myself out there for the doula position because I, it, it is very um, time consuming and you really have to be dedicated to, you know, one or two people at a time. So, but I I have, you know, done it a handful of times for, you know, close friends or um, patients that I know really well that, that really are um, wanting me to do that for them. So.
0: So see what I'm saying. Like she knows everything, (laughs) so much stuff. And I I think what makes you so special is that you have such a curious mind. So if you see or experience anything that you feel like, you know, works or could help you or could help someone else, then you want to know about it. And I think you're kind of a genius because of all of the information you're able to retain for all of that. Um, I just, I have to give you major props on that because you know, sometimes when we have conversations, you just throw out so much information at me. I'm like, I need a pad of paper and a pen. And we need to sit here for an hour <laughs> so that I can actually take in all the information you're giving me. So it's just awesome.
1: Um, Thank you. Thank you.
0: All right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your story, your own personal story with cancer? Um, this, I know a little bit about it, but um, it's fascinating. I want to know how it came about, and how you ended up healing yourself. So tell us all about that, please.
1: Sure. Well, a few years back, I, um, I just kind of realized that I started having just, just a lot of different health concerns, um, unlike how think my health had been the majority of my life. I um, all of a sudden just found it really hard to conquer specific health crises. I felt like I was in, I had Hashimoto's, I was having heart palpitations, I was having severe brain fog, Epstein-Barr virus, I knew that there was something more wrong, and did a lot of diagnostics um, through even with allopathic medicine, pulling my own lab tests and things like that, and um, really went through even holistic healing centers or integrative really more um, because I saw the root causes as being uh, from toxicity, one of the things that I really you know, basically take everything back to the root cause being either toxic burden or deficiency of something natural that we should have more of. So I was like coming from that perspective, I was like, okay, what am I not having? Um, Or at least what am I not absorbing? And then what toxins do I need to get rid of? Uh, So I was doing heavy metal tests, I was uh, ended up, you know, doing chelation therapy, ozone therapy, I kind of uh, put myself on a, you know, Gerson, um, kind of a mixture of microbiotics, Gerson therapy, and then a paleo standard for therapeutic ketosis, and um, was doing the uh, IV all kinds of different IV therapies chelation and then also um UVBI <clears throat> peroxide therapy high vitamin C glutathione push you know the whole nine and was still just feeling like like I wasn't getting to the root cause and um you know, kind of, as I described before, not, you know, my, my story being very much of a journey rather than being closely affiliated with, or having a mentor that was actually formally holistically trained. So a lot of self-discovery through my journey and, and back then, you know, I, uh, when I first had breast implants put in years ago, like it was about, uh, eight years before, uh, I really started getting sick. Um, I realized, um, finally, after going through a lot of integrative, uh, therapies that it was because of my breast implants that I, along with the other stuff, all of the other stuff that I had also, um, officially been diagnosed with, um, cancer. Um, Through thermography and an Oncoblot test and working with a couple of integrative oncologists, I decided to uh, pretty much reject um, allopathic approaches altogether um, because for a very short time I did at least go and visit an oncologist and an OB uh, that both offices I was kicked out of because of, I guess, not being compliant with their biopsying requests and their mammogram requests and their um, MRI with, you know, with contrast dye um, prescriptions and denying all of that essentially um, prompted them to send letters essentially kicking me out of their practice. So I said, okay, I'm doing this on my own. And so I went, uh, found a couple of integrative oncologists over in um, our area, uh, Sarasota area. And um, I just said, I don't really need any help. I just kind of want to run some things by you guys. I already have a plan in mind. Um, Can you help me or I'm doing this completely on my own? So they were agreeable to um, to at least just, you know, give me a couple conversations guiding my way, keeping me on track with uh, the, the plans that I had in mind. And uh, so basically it took me about three months to have a complete in block and uh, capsulectomy. And um, basically that once they were removed, I I knew before you know, I had seen an article, a friend sent me an article about breast implant illness. And um, I kind of just knew in my gut that that's what it was. And um, so it took me about three months to uh, plan the surgery and get on the schedule with a surgeon. and, And as soon as they came out, basically, I started kind of chipping away at, or as many holistic practitioners like to refer to peeling the layers of the onion, which can get super annoying at times to hear that over and over again, but it really is, um, a great explanation for the way that things happen, um, in the body. And, uh, so I've just been peeling away at it. And, uh, I do think, you know, there was uh, a lot of things that contributed to that, you know, probably besides the breast implants, but that certainly was a main contributing factor. But I do also believe in the Louise Hay, like um, emotional attachment to things and having, uh, you know, tra- past trauma with mom issues and possibly being an over nurturing person, but not putting enough time aside for self-care, you know, those things certainly I believe played into me being more susceptible to um, the breast implants being even higher risk for me outside of maybe a person that did not have the nurturing um, emotional, you know, connection to having mom issues, you know, obviously I said before I was adopted. So, you know, yeah, there was, there's always a lot of emotional trauma um, attached to physical manifestations. So everything's cumulative and compounding. I do agree, but certainly I, I, I definitely know that um, uh, that the breast implants were a huge, huge part of, and I mean, the cancer cells were actually attached to the capsule. So Um, and I did end up having those integrative oncologists come back and say, you know, thank God you did not have a mammogram because the, where the cells were attached to that capsule on the back left side of your breast, like a mammogram essentially would have just squished it all together and probably ruptured it into like underneath my armpit into my lymph nodes and everything. So, um, over and over again, my, um, convictions were validated Um, and so that became, there were a couple of things that I feel like were mistakes along the way that looking back now I may not have done, but that is, you know, definitely has been incorporated into a main part of my practice is really being there for uh, people with cancer situations and giving them, helping to facilitate a mindset of knowing like how powerful, their own body is to kind of come back to a point of homeostasis and a point of what you know really wanting to be well and as long as they can visualize that get an action plan together um, people should you know be very confident in the fact that our bodily body naturally desires to be well
0: right well that's that one hit my heart hard because it's so true. It's a mindset. And um, I think it's episode three, podcast episode three that I recorded where I started talking about how believing that you can do it and believing that it's possible for you um, to heal your body, for your body to heal itself, basically, and you, you to provide the environment for that to help assist in providing the environment for that to happen is key because you can hear people like England and whoever else myself talk about how you can heal your body but you know if you've just gotten a diagnosis and you don't know where to start and we're so conditioned to listening to and going directly to western medicine right um you know it doesn't seem like there's a way all you're going to get with them is pharmaceuticals and you know radiation treatments or whatever, you know, they're just pumping all kinds of stuff into your body as a way to try to fix it when your body wants to fix itself. But when you don't have the, I guess the experience or like the faith, you can want to believe that there's natural ways to heal your body, but without the having done it or going through Um, the experience of learning to peel back that onion and learning that it really is possible for you too. It's not just, you know, something that sounds good. You know, that makes all the difference. That makes all the difference, knowing that it's possible for you, believing that it's possible for you and that you can do it and that it's available out there. And my wish and my hope and my prayer is for this planet to move more toward, and I think it is, more toward these natural ways for healing your body. I mean, that's the point of this podcast is to awaken the world and knowing that there are ways and things you can do on your own, you know, through the help of knowledgeable people to heal. And you do not need to rely on Western medicine, which is basically just run and and um, you know, the all all based on pharmaceuticals, the money behind the pharmaceuticals, which are killing you at the end of the day, they, they are killing you. And so there's my little rant on that, but it's mindset. It's
1: no, it's so true. It's so true. I mean, we're so conditioned to believe that things should be a quick fix as well. And so, you know, we have to kind of come to a place of Also realizing that it doesn't take us 10, 20, 30 years to become um, or to be in the state of dis-ease that we are and then us expect to naturally overcome it in sometimes even a year. But a lot of people um, really that are new to holistic health And that's the major, major thing to overcome is that thought process that they can get over even just a simple illness or something within two or three days. And sometimes, you know, we, we just have to realize and become more intuitive with our body and realize to, you know, have gratitude in small amounts of progress at a time and, and just know that. Um, it's going to take a little bit to reverse um, conditions that have taken you so long to actually acquire. Um, (laughs) I've never really, uh, that word must've come out wrong. I'm like acquire the acquisition of a disease, but really that's, you know, kind of, you know, how it, how it happens over time, because it's so much different, so many different cumulative and compounding factors that have led to that fact. And there's, you know, things that don't really even surface until you clear some other things out first. Um, So, you know, it does, it takes more time. I mean, that's the one thing that I can say about a holistic lifestyle approach is that it does take more commitment to consistency and duration. Like it, it takes tenacity. It takes um, you know, the, just the consistency of, of being very routine and, and even in just even minor, you know, illness protocols and things getting over a cold or sinus infection or whatever, the frequency of which you have to do things are sometimes even a lot more. Um, so this is hitting home
0: for me so big right now. And I want to tell a little story that England knows, um, how, this, the lesson here was just be patient and take the time, which I should know that. I mean, I'm going on two years of, you know, being in kidney failure, um, but still healing gradually every day. But I, I chose not to go the easy route and get that kidney transplant. I could have done that and be living, you know, perfectly fine for a while. Um, cause eventually it would, I would need another one. Um, but I would also be on heavy medications for the rest of my life. And I didn't want that, right? That, I didn't want that. So I chose the long haul to heal my body on my own. And I'm so glad that I did. It was worth every single second. <laughs> so, um, but this other little story I want to tell you, and I'm going to try to make it really fast because it can be lengthy is, um, so if you listened to last week's podcast, you know that I just am recovering from COVID. And when I had COVID, I threw up a lot and I just, I don't know what that was all about, but for whatever reason, I was throwing up a lot. I couldn't keep anything down, nor did I have an appetite. And so um, I was prescribed by a Western medicine doctor Zofran, which helped me tremendously. It helped me actually eat food, but one thing it does is make you very constipated. And so for weeks, for weeks, I was very constipated. I was going to England, like, what do I do? How can I do this? And I got very impatient with it. And I started getting afraid because nothing was happening. And I was doing these natural protocols, some of which I couldn't do because of risk on my kidneys, but um, I was getting afraid that, you know, something bad was gonna happen. And I just started letting that fear creep in. And so I went to my kidney doctor and I asked for, I finally like resorted to asking what I could do, you know, Western medicine wise. And she gave me this, um, first of all, she recommended Miralax, which is absolutely terrible for you. So I said, hell no, I'm not doing that. What else do you got? And she recommended lactulose, which I didn't know too much about. So I started taking lactulose for about 30 hours straight. I was taking it every four or five hours and lo and behold, about 1.00 AM one night, I all of a sudden start coming down with like, this 103.5 temperature, I started throwing up, which was hard to throw up because it was like sludge because the lactulose was pulling all the liquid from my body into my stomach. Um, by the way, I had not had a bowel movement at this point still. And I was just very gassy. And I'm just like, what is happening? And I started getting vertigo and ringing in my ears. And it was like, my body was just like, felt like it was shutting down. And I was freaking out I was like, do I have sepsis? And so I had no idea what was going on. I was like, maybe this is my kidney is failing. Like, what is happening? And so I freaked out. And of course, out of fear, went back to the hospital. What did they do with me in the hospital? They gave me more Zofran and morphine because I actually had a fractured rib at the time from coughing and it was really painful. And I should have known better not to take it, even though at the time it sounded like a really great idea two things that will make you even more constipated, but not really in my right mind. I let them give them to me. And then they were like, maybe you have a blood clot. And so then I got radiation from a CT scan and then they wanted to do a nuclear scan. And I was like, what? And put radioactive contrast in my lungs. I was like, I, I said, no, you're not doing that. I should have said no to all of it. And so then they let me go and they're like, oh, this is show You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. So I leave and no one addressed my constipation. And basically I blame the lactulose for putting my body into some crazy shock mode. Okay. So lesson here lesson is at the end of the day, all of this happened because of the medicine that I was taking the Zofran, which I didn't even know that that was why I was constipated until, I, until I got out of the hospital the other that day. But I was just like, What? And they gave me morphine and more Zofran. So what are they even doing? What are they even thinking? What what was the whole point of this? I just got pumped with medicine and radiation for no reason. Of course, I didn't have a blood clot. I didn't have any signs of a blood clot. They just have to rule everything out. So I get really fired up about this topic because it all comes back to, I should have just waited and lesson learned. I'm not beating myself up, but going forward. Now I know when I just kept taking my natural supplements for the constipation and just let my body ride itself out. I eventually had a wonderful few bowel movements and everything was good. And I just, all I told myself was just be patient and go with it and let it happen on its own. And of course it did. So I learned so much from that experience, but that just is exactly what England's talking about. Like it takes time but it's the way to go. It is the best thing for your body,
1: right? It's like getting, not letting yourself get caught in that downward spiraling, um, you know, cycle of really what, you know, allopathic medicine is from a preventative perspective it, it's not that's not what it's really there for. let's you know give credit where it's due and for life-saving procedures and truly you know life or death situations um, and you know limb loss and being able to a lot of the um, the diagnostics even are what cause problem. So you know things that are truly life-saving procedures, of course like we, want to have, you know, gratitude that we have that advanced surgical technology and allopathic medicine, you know, there, but, you know, by nature and uh, allopathic medicine from a preventative approach really doesn't exist. It's a sick care system. It's not a healthcare system. It truly is, you know, a a sick care system. And it's also bandaid approaches for, Uh, for things and they're not getting to the root cause of anything. So that's definitely a perfect example of a personal story uh, that I've just heard so many similar to that, where people have kind of just gotten burned by, by Western medicine. And, and it's, you know, it's not that nurses and doctors don't you know, have great intentions going into it. I mean, I know I did, and I really wanted to save people's lives. And, you know, that was one of the reasons why, you know, uh, life-saving surgical procedures was one of my first interests. Um, but the way that they are trained, we have to remember, was, you know, bought out long ago by the Rockefellers. And those medical systems and research and everything are basically based on um, and funded by a bought out system. And so they, they teach one perspective and one perspective only. And what we have to realize is that that hasn't been around for very long. And the, some of the modalities that I practice, for example, have been around for more than 2,500 years. They were what we used as primal humans to become the most dominant and the largest brain of all of the species. Yeah. So, you know, in comparison, when it, it's actually very abnormal in modern times that people's first thought and natural compelling, like you know force of like what what they think of you know the doctor in the white coat is actually the newest it's the newest and they refer to it as alternative when really allopathic medicine should re- re- be referred to as alternative medicine because it's the newest ours is traditional holistic ways and cultural specific ways and evolutionary perspectives are all so much more traditional and were literally used for thousands and thousands of years before allopathic medicine came along. And then allopathic medicine was essentially monetized from, you know, in such a way that, um, you know, even back in those days, like, you know, herb, herbology and, um, natural medicine really started being scrutinized and banned and, you know, people um, losing their license because of using herbs for medicine, you know? So we, we you know, kind of have to recognize too, just from a factual um, historical perspective, you know, how much, um, I guess, um, corruption, I guess is the best way to really put it, you know, how much corruption and it, it started with, And then essentially they basically looked at, um, the cheapest way to, uh, to create medicines, which was with petroleum based, you know, fossil fuels. And of course that's carcinogenic. So there's not a medication, a pharmaceutical medication out there that doesn't start with, you know, uh, carcinogenic, uh, chemicals in order to produce it. And it can't be natural because they can't patent that. That's not good for business. So that doesn't make them any money. You know, it's like a perfect example is the, I think it's called Tamiflu, which is a, you know, medication used in allopathic medicine that essentially the active um, ingredient, the effective and active ingredient is star anise. And then they add a whole bunch of other junk into it to be able to patent it and make money off of it when, you know, well, you can just boil some star anise <laughs> in some water and drink the tea or, you know, you can, you can make tinctures with it. You can, you know, do all kinds of, you know, different applications with it, but you know, it's, it's just, um, it's really, it's disappointing when you go back and see the history. And I think some people, you know, this whole cognitive dissonance comes into play and it's like when they've been trained in this, in this area and they've had really true intentions to help others. And, um, and then they have paid a whole lot to go to these schools too. So it's like kind of, next level brainwashing because it's, it's the expensive paid for type of brainwashing and indoctrination. And, um, it's almost like they would have to go through a complete identity crisis to untangle themselves from those belief systems. Oh, you said that so well. It's <laughs> <That's> so true. <laughs> yes.
0: And she's referring to, to like Western medicine doctors and and medical workers is what she's talking about. Just the identity crisis they would have to go through if they were to, like she said, untangle themselves from these belief systems that they were raised believing and trained to believe. And, um, you know, it's really, it's tough. And and neither one, neither England nor I are here to, um, to criticize Anyone in this medical field, like we know your intention. So um, so it's not that at all. It's just more of like we're awake to seeing what's actually going on because we've both had to do our own research. We were forced into these um predicaments through our health, our our health situations, you know, her having cancer, me going into kidney failure. I didn't know any of this stuff until I started really diving into how to heal my body. This was all brand new information to me and it was mind blowing. Right. So it's just, and I'm continuing to learn more and more every single day. And I know England is as well. So um, it's just, it's a whole new mindset shift and really hard for a lot of people to take in because of the cognitive dissonance and um, you know, and no one wants to hear it. We want to believe that you know, our medical system is great and here to help us and in a lot of ways they are, but you know, not really <laughs> not foundationally. So. Um, and one of the thing I want to talk about really quick before we go, because this is a really cool story and I only know part of it. Um, I know, I'll tell you what I know and I'll let England fill in the blank. So England is a proud mama of three and one of her children, her son was, um, had a vaccine injury at an early age. And I know that the doctors told her that he would never function like a normal human to some degree. And, um, so England, if you can tell us a little bit about what he was diagnosed with, what they told you and where he is today.
1: Yes. It's uh, that's a, a very, um, really tragic, but then also um, really promising story. And you know, knock on wood. We have uh, we still have a ways to go. but essentially, just from my very natural um, tendency to lean um, more on the conservative t- uh, side of any kind of conventional approaches, I actually chose not to vaccinate my first two children until about 12 to 14 months old. Um, so at the time I was in integrative studies. So I, I knew and I was very uh, nervous about and questioned vaccines in general, but I certainly was by no means like anywhere I am today from the very purest and holistic side of things. So, at the time, the best resource that I really had was um, Dr. Sears, uh, his book, and Senior. And so, the only one that I had felt necessary for them to have, um, I gave at about 12 or 14 months um, for both of my older two, which were very close together, about 17, 18 months apart. And so, at three years old, My son had only had that one previous vaccine and, um, I was taking him to a new pediatrician that I had no idea back then, um, that there was really anything, there was really anything wrong with not vaccinating, but I also did not know much about, um, advocacy, the type of advocacy work that I do now. So I didn't really truly understand what informed consent was. Um, Anyway, basically got really bullied. Arm got twisted into the first time visit at this new pediatrician's office. And essentially as a young mom, um, recently separated and divorced, raising two kids on my own, um and you know just really not having uh an easy time at life at that point i was going back to school full time um to finish up my integrative studies and um this new doctor basically said oh like you know you need to catch him up today on eight different vaccines And I just, you know, was able to somehow maneuver my way out of all of those and only agree to, um, you know, through, I guess, coercion and being threatened and being told that, you know, social services would be called and the whole, you know, bullying um, approach, I ended up giving him the MMR that day. And that, of course, being, you know, three shots combined into the one um, and he had an immediate reaction, you know, immediate brain swelling, you know, encephalopathy going into a se- seizure within a couple of minutes um, after the shot. And I just knew from that point on, there was just something that kicked in that said, you know, never again, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let this happen. And it just kind of dove me into like a whole nother level of, of research. And, um, I knew in my gut, you know, I mean, like he was way above schedule, um, above the charts and everything, um, physically and, um, and psychologically you know um he was and totally digressed basically he went you know completely nonverbal and it wasn't until about um 7 years old that he was officially diagnosed with autism with some smaller you know uh diagnoses within that label um ocd oppositional defiance disorder, sensory processing disorder, auditory processing disorder. Um, It was just, and then, you know, there was some, there was obviously some major, you know, speech regression and um, essentially we ended up getting his words to come back around um, seven or eight years old. Um, You know, and, you know, before it happened at three years old, he was, like I said, just completely flying above any of what those charts mean, not to necessarily put any weight on those charts. They're all fraudulently um, created anyway by um, formula companies and really don't have anything to do with true health um, and progress and appropriate development for a child. But at the time, I still didn't realize that and just knew that, you know, he was performing well above average on all of those, um, all of those things. And, you know, he got to the point where, you know, completely stopped nursing. He, you know, never nursed again after that day, he couldn't pick his head up at times. It was almost like he like, didn't have the strength like in his neck to even hold his own head up. He would drop his head down into tables and bang his head into walls. We had to do the whole helmet, you know, padded helmet thing for a while and he would drop his head. He would, I think, because of like the dizziness and vertigo types of effects, I mean, which encephalopathy really kind of causes those like, you know, brain like feeling like a balloon up in the air kind of feeling. So you would kind of see him walk and he would be walking sideways and straight into the wall at his head, head drop down to the baseboards and then just start running his head against the baseboards of the room and, you know, going around the room and total blank stare, you know, behind his eyes. Like there was just no, like, I don't know, like the spirit just wasn't even there anymore. The consciousness just wasn't there anymore it was just the empty shell of, you know, of who he used to be the very engaging and very like expressive and um, curious child an active child. And basically I was told that, you know, I mean, his um, prognosis was very dismal. I mean, they said that, you know, he would have to be In home care taken care of by us for the rest of his life and that he may have the IQ of maybe 75 someday and be able to do a very methodical job like a manufacturing line somewhere very much like the movie Rain Man type of situation like. You know re- things repetitive in nature over and over could be learned through memorization, but as far as actually having any, any major, you know, capacity of frontal lobe abilities, they pretty much told me that was out of, you know, that was just not even a possibility. Um, you know, lots of journey along the way with that, but just to try to, you know, summarize and come to. Um, a more po- positive side of the story through primal lifestyle approaches and br- really bringing um, uh, the occupational therapy into the everyday life within our home, um, rather being rather than being overstimulated by constant appointments all the time. We used we ended up using only holistic approaches. A lot of the treatments, you know, I did myself, but we did also see, um, you know, craniosac therapist and a lot of chiropractics, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of natural detoxing approaches, homeschooling, grounding, a very, um, a very primal connection approach to getting him grounded every day. And, um, and a lot of, a lot of really just, like you said before, being patient, but at about nine years old, he was IQ tested. And we had made some progress at that point because there was at at seven years old when we finally decided to get the kind of true diagnostics done, not because we really cared about the label, but just to kind of have like a direction in mind of what way, you know, because I don't typically like being labeled or labeling people with this or that because I do feel like it's almost debilitating and. Um, And if they're told and they hear something, if people, you know, hear something over and over again, what uh, about what their, um, their loss is, or what they're not capable of, then they tend to believe that right and so, you know, I never told him of his diagnosis. And never mentioned his prognosis. Still haven't mentioned that to him even today. So unless he later on ends up being curious enough about mom's, you know, interviews and um, you know, advocacy work and stuff, he'll probably, you know, never hear that story. And but he was tested around nine years old, and you know, tested literally like 146 IQ, Mensa level IQ. Awake. Like it's just. Oh, like what I can say about like the difference between situations like mine and many, many other patients that I work with to help heal vaccine injured children or, and even adults is don't believe the prognosis. If you don't believe the prognosis, then it's not going to manifest, you know, and there's a huge difference between the parents who just become complacent with um, where their child is at and give in to the allopathic approaches and just, you know, kind of um, just believe that this is the best it's ever gonna get. And those kids, you don't see the drastic, you know, um, reversals in, but with the ones that never give up on their children and they never give up on finding a new modality to try. I mean, you have to be consistent, yes. And you have to give things a chance, yes. But, and so that does take time, but that's the great thing about natural medicine is that it existed so many thousands of years before, you know, we were even here that there's limitless options that no matter how much of a of an expert you are in holistic health, there's always going to be something new to you, but very old that you've never even heard of. So you just have to keep trying and, you know, I know it's taxing on the budget. So yeah, you got to like budget things out or you got to make sure that the splicing the timing with the right modality too is a very important part. So just because you've done something in the past, you know, a couple of years ago, doesn't mean that it may not work again in the future, but when you first tried it, maybe it wasn't the right timing. Like you needed some other things first. So that's why it's always good too to find somebody um, who who knows your whole story or your child's whole story. And you can always go back to them and say, okay, we've done all of these things because it does become very frustrating to tell your story to so many people and to not just have at least one person that knows everything that you've done, that you've gone through, everything you've tried. And um, so if you can find that one person that you resonate with, even if they don't practice all of it and they have to refer you out to things that they don't do, that's still fine. They know you did it. They know where you're at with it. They know your compliance level. They know your child's compliance level, more importantly, if, that, if that's the situation. Um, But I can just say from my own personal experience with my son, you know, unless you are a developmental child specialist and you have some more ongoing interaction with him um, in a multitude of different situations, you probably just in passing from the outside looking in would not even realize that he has autism. I'm not sure if you've met my son, Sydney, but um, I think you may have seen him a couple times playing basketball outside and everything, but, um, but he is, um, like I said, just, I mean, I would say 80 to 80% cured from autism. Okay. So first of all, I just
0: want to sit here and point out what am- an amazing mother you are, because not many mothers would go to the links that you have gone to, to help their child. And unfortunately, a lot of people just resort to medication or, you know, something to just help them cope with their situation and cope with the world as it is and not take the time and the energy to really pour into helping them. When you are proof that taking, taking those steps will heal them and to never take a diagnosis as concrete ever, no matter what. And, and then really start and think about how you even got there. Was you know, so many times it is a vaccine injury in children, and that's just no one talks about that, which is incredibly frustrating. Those vaccines have garbage in them and they go straight through the blood brain blood-brain barrier. And, you know, anyway, that's a whole nother podcast, which I will definitely have. Um, but yeah, England major, major props to you for being such a good mom and, um, and, and then just being able to help so many others as well with your skills and your knowledge is just so refreshing, um, And what you were saying also about finding the one person that can help. That's what England does. She's the one person go to, she doesn't claim to have all the answers, but she is so good at pointing you in the right direction. If she is not the one to help in some specific area. Right. So, um, so I want to tell people how they can get in touch with you. Of course, I will put everything that she says in the show notes, but how can people reach out to you, England, if they want to schedule some time to talk to you or whatnot?
1: Uh, thanks, Sydney. Uh, really, I actually kind of go, go in alignment with my practice. I'm pretty old school about things. And um, if you need me to call... Um, call you back, then you can definitely text me that, but essentially I do no online booking or any kind of complex, you know, digital strategies for booking myself or advertising or anything like that. I really only work within personal recommendations, typically personal referrals, and then just by text, you know, 334-559-0176. For now. And that's an Alabama number, by the way, that I've just never changed. So I may change that sometime soon. But um basically just, you know, types for an appointment. We go back and forth a couple of times, see what timing and days work. And uh then if I need to schedule a 15-minute, you know, phone consult just to have a little bit better of idea of the focus that we need to have in an appointment, then we can do that as well. And um And then, you know, a lot of times I do see, you know, multiple people in the family at the same time. And the way that that works, you know, is definitely just basically spending the amount of time that we have on every person. So it may be a little bit less relaxing and more hectic of an an appointment, but at least we're addressing all people at the same time. I, you know, as you all know, a lot of times when something happens to one person in the family, it kind of goes through the whole family. So it kind of becomes taxing and ridiculous to have to go to a different person for each person in the family. So, or a different doctor for each person in the family. So I try to like, you know, really help, um, expedite the whole process with, with things like that. And I don't charge any differently for Uh, However many people I see in the family, I just, you know, ask for the understanding that obviously the time that we have will be spread across everyone versus if you came in by yourself and had the time to really focus and spend more of that time in a more relaxed atmosphere with um, some more specific modalities rather than handling an acute situation for, you know, a few people in the family at the same time. So definitely some, you know, little bit different types of uh feelings and environment in different types of appointments.
0: Yes, and I can attest um when my family got COVID, both my husband, my mom, myself, and my dog all went, and my son all went and saw England and she did some um magnetic pairing therapy on us and, and it's a whole things and a bunch of other stuff too. But, um, anyway, so England is in safety Harbor, Florida, and do you see anyone remotely or is everything that you do just in person?
1: Oh, no, I, I do actually, uh, a lot of times I will do home visits, especially for my pre and post-surgical patients. Um, just because of doing scar therapy and um, detoxification after uh, required surgical procedures and stuff, I will do home visits for that reason. And also uh, in cases of young children or just anybody being sick enough to really not need to get out of bed and leave their home. So I do uh, home appointments and then I also do, Any type of, uh, you know, Zoom or video call or just phone calls sometimes when it's people who aren't local, but just need to work from, you know, maybe a coach, more of a coaching lifestyle, primal perspective, coaching type of situation or a protocol or diet protocol or, you know, things like that, that don't have to have um, hands on. um, Then I do a lot of um, those phone appointments as well. Awesome. Okay.
0: Um, So I'm just going to tell anyone listening, especially if you're local, but even if you're not, if you have any kind of issue, if you just have a stomach ache, if you have recurring headaches, if you have elbow pain, if you have literally anything going on in your body that you have questions about, and you're curious about what you can take or do or whatever you need to reach out to England. She is the starting point person and she's absolutely incredible. So, um, I will put her phone number in the show notes, just reach out and text her and, um, tell her that you heard her on the podcast, if that's what she needs to do. And just, um, Make an appointment because she is absolutely amazing, and I can't even tell you all the different new supplements that she's given me um, in the last few months that have I've uh, been taking, and you know, just not just supplements, but you know, recommendations on treatments like treatments for my kidneys, as far as like, um, oh,
1: uh, what's it called? Um, the electromagnetic therapy. <laughs>
0: well, no, we've got that, but I'm thinking of um, the. Oh my god the oil the castor oil with the with the essential oils putting those packs on my kidneys um, drinking different teas drinking uh, watermelon and cucumber juice every morning Um, just different things i have changed in my diet to help my kidneys and they're doing well so um it has only been a short amount of time so i can just attest to her amazingness she's very thorough she's very knowledgeable and you need to reach out to her. So, um, anything else you'd like to add, England?
1: Oh, just that you're the amazing one, and compliance and consistency is everything. So, you know what I what I um, suggest only works if somebody's actually following through. So, really, the success and the prog- progress is primarily because of you. That's true
0: we're all responsible for our own bodies and no one else is going to come save us from, from our situations. I think that's a really big deal. It's we, we're so conditioned to looking to outside sources to save us, to help us. And we have to take matters into our own hands. And, um, and that can feel really overwhelming and overbearing at first, like, oh my God, where do I even start? Right. And, um, but just baby steps. It's all about baby steps and trusting your intuition to guide you where you need to go to get the information that you need. Because remember your body talks to you, your body knows what it needs. And it is in communication with your intuition. As long as you are paying attention, as long as you're tapping in meditate, like get close to yourself, get get just a really good foundation and knowing how to hear yourself and listen to your body because it knows what it needs and always listen to your body over your head. If your head thinks something's good and your body doesn't seem to quite agree, always go with your body. Would you agree with that England?
1: Yeah. I, there's always, there's such complex reasoning behind it. Like we talk about these cumulative and compounding types of factors Um, that we can't sometimes understand in our brains, why something is just not good with our bodies. But, you know, I try to teach at the very beginning of things, I try to get people like really grounded in knowing themselves well enough, and at least at a very basic level, being able to muscle test themselves and know and, and test from one day to the next, if this supplement, or if this food is serving and is in my best interest today, does this, you know, serve my body well today and be practicing with that, you know, every day so that you can use that intuitive, um, you know, kinesiology in order to make sure that you're listening to your body first.
0: Right. So important. All right. So we've been on here forever. (laughs) I think it's time to wrap up, but thank you again, England for coming on here today. And I hope that you guys took away so much from this intense conversation and it was a pleasure being with you here today, England, and I will catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks Sydney. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of minor tiger. Before you go, I have a free gift to offer you. If you're anything like me and struggle with overwhelming feelings of stress and anxiety on a regular basis, I invite you to download my freedom in five formula, where you'll discover how to change your state in less than five minutes. This is my beautiful gift to you and cost $0. So head on over to myinnertiger.com forward slash freedom to download this now. Also, if you loved what you heard today, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes so I can keep the ball rolling. And finally, if you're not already, come follow me on Instagram at My for more juicy goodness and fun inspiration. I can't wait to connect with you there. Now, my dear friend, go out into this world and create some magic. I'll catch you on the next episode.